Hello, everyone, and welcome in to episode number 10 of That's What B Said, brought to you by Fansided. I'm your host, Bree, at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by, I got my two ladies here. We are live, Miss Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View. Hi, Britt. Hello. We had to go live tonight so everyone could see my fresh roots. <laughs> it looks great. Thank you. <laughs> and Meredith's hair looks great as well. Hi, Meredith. Look at her. She looks like it's, a model. It's a mess. It's a it's mess. It's not a mess. This is what happens when you just run water through it and hope that it turns out okay. Well, it works for curly haired girls, especially. Appreciate you guys. Oh, well, um, you all know that we, we name our episodes based off of friends. The one It always starts with the one. And tonight we couldn't come up with anything outside of the one where we are sad and we are sad. We're sad. We're sad. The season is over. Um, as we all know, the Browns fell to Kansas City 22 to 7 on Sunday, ending our playoff dreams, our Super Bowl hopes, um, squash in the divisional round of the playoffs. Um, there's a lot to digest from the game yesterday, a ton of storylines that we will get into. Um, but before we do, we just want to remind everyone there is so much to be positive about. And I wrote this little mon- monologue today because I was really down on myself and you know, in, in the typical that's what B said fashion, we don't like to grovel. We we like to be positive. We've been positive all year. This is not going to be an episode where we are licking our wounds. Um, so I'm just going to get into something really quickly before we go into the game. This team blew away everyone's expectations. Think about what the Browns were able to accomplish in a year after coming off of a 6-10 and 10 season. A rookie head coach, a new GM, a worldwide pandemic, an abnormal offseason, no real training camp, season-ending injuries, adversity throughout the season. All of that turned into a 12-6 and season, a playoff appearance, a playoff win. We can finally move on from the drive and the fumble, that long list of failed quarterbacks, the losing seasons, and the winless season. It's over. This team has exercised all of the bad demons that have held onto this franchise for the last 40 years, and they did it in one year. The culture has turned around. There are expectations moving forward. Winning is what we have to look forward to. The Cleveland Browns are back, baby. Damn, it feels good. I had to say that. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. That was I'm going to start crying. Do, do you have tears? <laughs> I do. <sighs> well, we can get into the game, and then we're going to end the show in a positive manner as well. Um, we tweeted earlier today what made you the happiest this year from the Browns. Um, we got a ton of great feedback, and if you were feeling down on yourselves or feeling sad about the season being over, I encourage you to go read through that thread because it'll just make you smile. So we know that yesterday did not go well for the Browns, um, almost the entire game, yet they were still in it to the end. Um, It was a very weird game to watch, in my opinion. Um, The team did not look like themselves. They didn't look like the teams that we had watched um, all season long. Um, And I want to kick off with just some some storylines out of the game, some hot topics that were being discussed. And I'm going to start with all of the self-inflicted wounds, which very uncharacteristic of this team. Um, the, the Browns got behind in drives multiple times in this game. Um, specifically. So they were second and third and long in multiple situations mm-hmm. just to go over quickly. 
the timeline of what I'm talking about. So in the first quarter um, and the first drive of the game, Baker took a sack, um, which put him at third and 21 that halted the drive, which ended up in the field goal. Second quarter after Baker hit DPJ for that really big gain, um, they throw for another first down that went to Jarvis Landry that got called back for holding, putting them again at first and 20. And then Nick Chubb uncharacteristically dropped two screen passes in a row. That drive ended with a punt. Defense ended up holding the Chiefs to a field goal, which was huge. Going into the second quarter or further along in the second quarter, DPJ got called back for an offensive pass interference call, putting the Browns at second and 20. They got it back with a big play by Najoku, which eventually led into the Hollywood fumble. So I want to stop here for a minute. Hollywood, as we all know at this point, fumbled into the end zone when he was reaching for the touchdown, which resulted in a turnover and then a touchback to Kansas City right before the half. Um, there was clear head-to-head head-to-head contact that did not get called, um, and it was not reviewable. <sighs> did you guys even remember that this rule existed? I want to get your opinion on what was going through your mind. Brittany, I'll start with you. As soon as it happened, it, this is a rule that like I just historically hate the touchback that I can't stand it. It doesn't make any sense to me that you would give the defense something for doing nothing. Like you're giving them everything right. for doing nothing really. And to have it not end because that wasn't the end of the game, but in a lot of ways it kind of felt like it. Yeah. Because it was just such a crushing blow at that point because they were just getting there. It was still within you know reach. They were playing very well against Kansas City and the defense, which I know we're going to get into, got to give them a lot of props for holding that team to was it twenty two points? Was that the was that what they had? Fine. No? Yeah. Yep. You're okay. right. I mean, they couldn't have they couldn't have done much better than they did, really, given the the talent and the limitations. Like, good on them. But in that moment when that happened, it was just like, it was a gut punch. Like, really, that's what it felt like to me. And I'm just like, ah, oh, that's going to be so hard to, to overcome. And kudos to Hollywood, because after that, like, he played his ass off. He was yeah. very reliable, very good. They didn't let that kill them, which, again, this is not the same old Browns. Uh, they rallied. They tried to get back in the game. But I do hope two things. Number one, the NFL revisits the, the touchback rule because I just, I think the whole thing is just crap. Number two, you know, the helmet to helmet that is not reviewable. If you're watching something, like if you're doing a replay, you got to make sure that he fumbled. Why can't you look at all of it and say, Hey, you know what? We missed this helmet to helmet contact. Like this is a problem. Let's make it right. But apparently that's just not a thing. So even when you know you're wrong about something, you can't admit it and fix it, which just seems very backwards to me. So those two things that I hope that they address going further. Yeah, I agree. Meredith, what are your thoughts? Uh, I don't want to hear the NFL come out and talk about player safety ever again after that, uh, right? frankly, uh, because that was probably the most infuriating thing ever because it was so blatant and so obvious. And when, when you look at the replays, there was a ref standing right there saw it happen, didn't call it. That player for the Chiefs should have been ejected. Yes. That should have been first in, you know, first in goal at the one, which is where where the penalty occurred. Mm -hmm. So I just, 
the fact that penalties aren't re reviewable is yeah. absolutely ridiculous. And then when you have a dirty hit like that, that is very clearly targeting and they're not going to call it, they're not going to review it. Nobody's going to get any kind of sanctions for it. Like it just absolutely infuriating because that could have seriously, seriously injured Hollywood. Oh yeah. And then or Kansas the City, their, their Twitter, their social media today had it played. Yes. Like they're like, oh, Dirty Dan likes to make hits. Like, are you kidding me? You're just gonna like show this over and over again? Like it's fine. I mean, I don't know, I know who their social media person is, but that tweet should have never happened. Oh, and it's still up. They had time to delete it as soon as they posted it. And it's still up like 24 hours later, just broadcasting yeah. this very dirty play. And they're like, oh no, it's fine. Dirty Dan, oh, he's so cute. Right. For me, it's the NFL's inconsistencies in, in these calls. And you see it game to game, week to week. I mean, the Saints and Bucks game, I believe they called um, a head to head hit like that same night. And it, and I would say that the Browns one was more egregious and wasn't called. So the NFL just cannot figure out how to be consistent when it comes to officiating. And for me, it's it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. I mean, the XFL last year, they had the little sky booth judge mm -hmm. who was able to, to make calls to impact the game. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't in my mind, something that was a huge interruption. It's just getting the calls right and, and not making these, these things possibly deciding factors one way or the other. I just don't understand why the NFL is so stubborn in not trying new things. I don't get it. And it feels like every single year there's a huge non-call in a playoff game. Yeah. And the Browns happen to be on the bad end of it. Was it New Orleans before with the pass interference thing? Yeah, did mm -hmm. they get screwed like two years in the playoffs? Like, I, weren't they? It was like back-to-back like, yes. years. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It always feels like... Someone joked today and they're like, uh, you know, if, if the NFL fixes this, then somehow the Browns will get screwed on it next year too. Right. Well, it's, remember it's so true. <laughs> and we brought this up like weeks ago. And I want to say it may have been in Baker's rookie year where he got hit with a helmet to helmet and they ruled yes. it not targeting because he was running. Yes. Yeah. I, well, and that's, I know that we're obviously biased because we're Browns fans, but it does always feel like the Browns just don't get the benefit of the doubt. They're not on the positive end of officiating. They never have Ever. been. And I don't know if after this year that may change, but you have to think that if that were a situation where it was Patrick Mahomes diving and gets hit in the head, a yes. flag would have been thrown immediately. And that's yes. what bothers me. It's, yeah. it's that certain players that will impact the game. If they get knocked out, then they'll do something. They'll step in to make, oh, yeah. it, if that to was, make it right. If that was Tom Brady that got a hit like that, they would have suspended the entire team and the coaching staff. Yes. Like yes. on the spot, they would have just been like, all right, Buccaneers win. We're done. <laughs> Don't touch Tom Brady. You know, to rub salt in the wound too today, the player didn't even get suspended. No. It's just like nothing was Annoying. found. It's like, I'm sorry. We all saw it. The Kansas City Chiefs put it out on social media on repeat for everyone to right? see. Right? I really hope that JC Treader says something about it because he is the president of the Players Association and he is, I think he has like a law, not a law degree, but he has some kind of public speaking centered degree and he has written several 
like scathing letters to the NFL. And I really hope that he brings this up, not just because it was his teammate, but for the sake of the entire league. Because like I said before, I don't want to hear anything about player safety when it's not, because it's not just the Browns that that happens to. Like it happened to the Browns yesterday and it made it that much harder because that would have been a huge momentum shift in favor of the Browns. But this happens to other teams and it happens to other players. And that's just, that's something that's absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, so this obviously got a lot of attention um, post-game. I think even the halftime show, it was something that was discussed. I was actually happy that all of those hosts um, in the half game, half halftime um, talked about how it was a horrible non-call. It should be reviewable. Um, that actually made me happy because I never feel like the Browns get that type of support when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but needless to say, from that point on, Kansas City went down. They they did get a field goal after that moment, which going into halftime, the score was 19 to 3. It felt backbreaking at that moment in time. It didn't feel like we had a shot to pull things off. Mm-hmm. But the Chiefs would only score three more points after that. Which is crazy. Which is crazy to think about. Yes. Um, and just 30 a game. Yes. Like averages 30 a game. Yes. And I was shocked that we only had three points. Like I, I thought that the game at this point, there'd at least be like 20 points across yes. each team. So 19 100%. to three going into halftime. Um, the Browns just didn't seem to be themselves on offense, but they came out in the third quarter. It seemed like Stefanski had made adjustments after that first um, stalled drive. Um, after the Baker interception, they, they got a break because that turned into no points and the Browns came out running. Um, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt um, went for some big runs. And at that mo- moment in time, I thought to myself, we figured it out. Like we're going to run, we're going to dominate this half. Like it's, we're going to come back into this game. Um, it, it didn't, it just didn't happen. Um, obviously the Browns went on to score a couple of touchdowns to get back in the game. Um, but I have to say, I was actually more surprised at how our offense performed than how our defense performed. And I know that may be a bit of a hot take, but we've been saying all year on the show, our best defense is the Browns offense. And we all said coming into this game that we expected the Browns to have to score 40 points in order to beat this chief's team. We couldn't even score 20. So for me, that was, that was the biggest disappointment is I felt like our offense just stalled and we couldn't get enough done on that side of the ball in order to win the game. And we'll get into the end of the game. We're going to get into that, but I just wanted to get your guys' take on just the offense overall. And if you felt like it was just weird. It's not, especially like, you know, in contrast to last week where like they had everything was was working to their advantage yes. everything from like the very beginning so and we've seen flashes of their offense look just amazing throughout the season there are you know specific halves really they're like a first half team <laughs> which is why i was nervous yesterday because they were so bad in the first half i was like oh god like historically they're a first half team like the we're in trouble this is not going to end well but you know it Yesterday was tough to watch because you you saw potential there. There's always the potential for something explosive to happen with this offense. And so many things just 
seemed to go wrong. You know, like Nick Chubb dropping the passes. Yeah. You wondered why Kareem Hunt wasn't more involved because you had this really hungry guy who really wanted to be in. He comes in, scores, and then he's just, you know, not really there the rest of the game. Um, And, you know, again, the defense did their job, except for, you know, the, the final couple minutes. But, you know, the one thing that I wasn't really counting for was that Kansas City would have the ball so much, mm-hmm. like especially in the first half. Um, you know, I they're quick. You get used to Kansas City being up-tempo and they're very fast and they score very fast. And it seemed like they sort of got the Browns game plan where they're like, okay, we're just going to keep it out of their offense. And I, it worked. It was effective. Yep. Um, but it was, it was disappointing just because you knew that this is a win or go home game. So you got to put it all out there and, you know, we're going to get into coaching next. So I don't want to get into that too much, but mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Well, we'll jump into what you're talking about on defense, Brittany, which was the Chad Henney, I guess, almighty Chad Henney that could not be stopped. <laughs> who, who I forgot that I would be saying that. <laughs> I forgot that man even existed until yesterday. So did I. That's why, like, I saw him come out. I was like, that's Chad Henney, like the Chad Henney. He's round. No idea. I had no idea. We were talking before Meredith and because Chad Henney went to Michigan, my husband knew he still existed and he was in the league. And I told Brittany, I literally thought that he like played four years ago at Michigan because I feel like Michigan quarterbacks, they're like the same year in and year out. So like there's, there's probably been like, five Chad Henney's on the team since when Chad Henney was there, but I never <laughs> Michigan a Chad school. Is it a Chad school? <laughs> oh, it's a Chad school. <laughs> it's like the same type of quarterback, just a different name. Um, but anyway, so the defense, obviously not great. Um, they had a huge task to handle this explosive chiefs offense, Patrick Mahomes, when he was in, however, Patrick Mahomes goes out, Chad Henney comes in you have a chance to win the game. You really do. They get an interception, great interception, which by the way, guys, I have to bring up because this is the weirdest thing. The last three weeks, right before a Browns turnover from the defense, I have tweeted out, we could really use a turnover here. (laughs) And then the next play, it happens. Honest to God, I am three for three. I clearly need to go play the lottery, but the football gods... They like, they like to listen to my tweets when it comes you should to the just, Browns. Just, I want to see your Twitter like next season. It's just a constant stream of, <laughs> we can really use a turnover right now. <laughs> just the whole until time. I hit, until yes. I hit. Yes. Um, I, think the, um, I think the Mega Millions is like 750 million right now. So go get yourself a ticket. I better go get a ticket. Yeah, I should be able to predict those numbers if I can predict a turnover. But anyway, I should have tweeted out, stop Chad Henney on third and 14 um, because that did not happen. Um, Chad Henney almost... Gets all 14 yards, his slow ass, um, which, I mean, our defense, what are you doing? Um, he doesn't get it. It goes to fourth and inches. Again, you have another chance to stop them and get the ball back, to give it back into Baker Mayfield's hands. They go for it. They get it. I mean, just at that point, you just felt like that's how it was going to go, just based on all of the events that happened in the game. Meredith, what did you think about those two plays? Um, well, firstly, I'm convinced that Andy Reed listens to our podcast because last <laughs> week, last week we laid out all the ways that the Browns can win. And we had all of our points on a game plan for the Browns. 
And then the Chiefs did every single thing All that we talked about in the podcast All last it. week. So clearly, clearly Andy Reid listens to the podcast. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> what with me? Um, but I was so excited that Miles Garrett got his sack at such a pivotal point yep. in the game. Yep. And then the defense lets this dude named Chad get pull off a 13 yard run. Like I just, there were points in the game where miles Garrett was chasing down tight ends and, and Travis Kelsey. And I'm just like, why, why is miles having to do that? Why isn't he still at the line of scrimmage trying to hold yes, off? That was, the- you know, like that's, that was the part that was mm-hmm. really uncomfortable for me to watch is, is looking at miles having to play a position that he's not built for. I mean, he's fast. He did a really good job in, in chasing down some of those guys, but he shouldn't have had to do that. So I just, when, when they kept the offense on the field to go for it on fourth and whatever it was, two yards, three yards, I don't even remember. I've already blocked it out of my head. I just like my heart sank into my stomach and I was like, I just, I, I just, I, I knew that that was, that that was it because I had no faith in the defense at that point. Yeah. So I want to get into the coaching aspect of the game because um, I think it does kind of lead into some of the points we're going to talk about. We are huge Kevin Stefanski fan, fans. We're stands. We love him. He's our zaddy. He still is our zaddy. Yes. I think it would be remiss if we gave him a pass for this game because I, I didn't want to tweet this. I didn't want to put this out there. It's I just knew it was going to blow up and be spun around. But I think Kevin Stefanski was severely outcoached in this game. Yes. Um, and it was unfortunately probably his worst coached game of the entire season. It just happened to be against the best team in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and you're going against Andy Reid, who's an amazing coach. And quite frankly, Andy Reid, like their game plan against this Browns team, it, it was great. You have to give it up to him. They exploited all of our weaknesses on defense and they were able to identify and shut down our offense. Like their defense, their defensive game plan for a team that wasn't supposed to be that great on defense, mm-hmm. they did all the right things. And, and the Browns, what they did just wasn't enough. So Kevin, were you in a COVID fog? Like, <laughs> That is a thing. It is a thing. It is a thing. Yes, it is. Like, was he not a hundred percent there? Were things foggy? Was the play sheet blurry? I don't know, but I want to start here. The running game. This was a key, a tool in the toolbox that we felt like could exploit Kansas city and give us the best chance to win. And that was the run game. The game that has been dominant all season. You have two great backs. Kareem Hunt did not get a carry in the entire first half. I believe the Browns only ran the ball 19 times in total. And it did feel like there was some questionable play calling, especially in the back half of the game. Yeah. Ladies. Like you would, you would expect them, you know, we talked about this earlier, or, you know, last week when we were doing the, the preview episode, but you didn't want to get behind too big too early because you wanted to establish the run game. Because without that, your offense sort of stalls. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. And it's not that they didn't even try. It wasn't like they were down, you know, by like three touchdowns at any point. They were still within striking distance. But if you don't establish that run game early, you're kind of backing yourself into a corner. And you're saying, okay, we're just going to rely on this. But you have these two great running backs at your disposal. Mm -hmm. Like why there's, 
Kareem Hunt wanted to be there. He wanted to produce in a way that I don't think we've even seen before. Like he was hungry for yeah. this game. And, and also Kareem is, he's the one with the hands. Like he was the one when, when the Browns yes. had no wide receivers was lining up as a wide receiver. He is the one who's so good at catching those little short dinky donkey screen passes. Yes. And then when he has a lane, he can take off. And for whatever reason, Stefanski was putting Chubb in on those it made plays. No sense. Like again, like that's something. And he just kept doing it. Chubb was not yeah. catching it and he just kept doing it. And it's like, you have a guy, you have a running back that can do this. Mm-hmm. Why are you using the one who's, who's great? You know, he's not as good as, as Kareem at doing this. And you know, Kareem's not as good of, it doesn't matter. But in that situation, it just, it made no sense. There were so many things that happened yesterday that just made you scratch your head. And it was very uncharacteristic of what we've seen from Kevin Stefanski this season. You're like, you know, this is coach of the year smart people do smart things. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to go in. I'm sure he's got a great game plan. And it just seemed like they're, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to explain what happened yesterday with that offense. I don't know how to explain what his plan was. I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely head scratching. I, I don't think enough was talked about Jedrick Wills going down, obviously the first offensive play in the game and then Kendall lamb coming in. And then obviously he, he goes down. Like, I do think that probably did impact the game plan quite a bit, just because this is something that they didn't anticipate, at least with Joel Batonio being out against the Steelers, they were game planning and practicing all week long to get everyone else ready on the team. And then you lose someone like Jed, who has been your starting left tackle the entire season. Um, that was a huge blow. Um, and to your point, like the Kareem Hunt usage to me, it just, I didn't really get it. It almost felt like he was saving him for the third, third and fourth quarter. Like he had in the past where like Nick Chubb kind of gets a break and then Kareem comes in fresh, but I just, I guess expected a little bit more of some freshness in the offense, some originality. It just, it felt like we were running some of the same plays we did the week prior with those those trying those screen passes to Chubb and we even tried to run the same play to DPJ in the same game. I I don't know. Like it just, it didn't feel like the typical Kevin game. Um, And the chiefs were ready for all of those plays, by the way, like we were not fooling them. They were, they were prepared. um, And that hurt. Yeah. They were prepared for that banana play too. At one point, oh, yeah. Baker flipped it over to Jarvis and Jarvis just got stuck. Yeah, they blew it up. They blew up a lot. They, oh, they, they blew up a lot of plays. I mean, up until that point, Stefanski was batting a thousand on those little trick plays. And yep. mm-hmm. I think Jarvis was like four for four on the season for 92 yards or something like that. Something ridiculous. But I was really proud of Jarvis for his performance as makeshift quarterback on those trick plays. But yeah, I mean, it was just like, I don't know. It, it almost felt like the chiefs had been studying the Browns all season long. Mm-hmm. That's what it looked like because Kevin Stefanski hadn't tried one of those cutesy little trick plays since before the bye week. Maybe I don't know if I remember him. Maybe there was one instance after the bye week, but a lot of those plays they were running towards the beginning of the season and they were running them against teams like the Reds, excuse me, the Washington football team, you know, <laughs> teams they knew that couldn't really defend those so it was just it was strange that he would have pulled that out of the bag and it was obvious that the Chiefs just were completely unfazed by it like it legitimately felt like Andy Reid has been watching this Browns team all year long yeah um a lot of people in the comments are saying David Njoku played really well and I would agree um which is 
interesting because I don't think he practiced all week because of a hamstring. So I was, I was surprised with how much usage David got. Um, but he, he made some key plays and he's been a really good blocker recently. So I think that's a player that, you know, requested a trade at the beginning of the season. I'm glad they hung on to him and and it'll be interesting to see what they do with him go forward because one could argue, you know, he, he may have played better down the stretch than Hooper. I know Hooper made obviously that really critical catch, but Hooper's had a lot of drops this season and he's making a lot of money for those drops. I like Njoku better than Hooper. Yeah, I do. And I, I, first of all, number one, I'm mad at him actually. You're mad at who? Njoku or Hooper? Yes. No, I'm mad at Njoku because (laughs) every, every single week in our DraftKings, I always take Njoku (laughs) like religiously. Cause I'm like, this is it. This is going to be his breakout game. This is when they're going to realize he's great. And then yesterday, I did not take Njoku because I was like, oh, he has the hamstring. He's probably not going to be fresh. Like, yeah. he's in practice. No. And then he goes out and has himself a game, which I was super, uh, made me so happy because I love to see him <laughs> do well. But, like, on a personal note, it killed me because I ended up in, like, 143rd or something. It was bad. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even look at you guys, you, Brittany, you sound like a true veteran fantasy football player. I know. This is why I never wanted to get into it. This is why I never want to do it. I How dare you bring yeah. your dollar fantasy you're, football. You're ruining the community. Ruining the community. <laughs> you're seeing Rihanna. it alive and well right now. It's happening. I've ruined Brittany Mollis. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> no, in the whole game too, because I was watching it at Danny's and like, he knows that like, I always take a joke like I every week so every time he did something good Danny sit at the bar and he'd look at me like this <laughs> gosh savage Danny I know so rude it's okay I took Cody Parkey almost every week religiously until he had those two games where he missed so many and I was like I can't do this anymore um, hey Cody Parkey was perfect in the playoffs so he was he was our guy perfect Parkey he's he's out of the doghouse now playoff perfect Playoff Parky is better than regular what? season Parky. <laughs> Actually, we that's like- not true in Chicago, but you know, for the Browns, he worked. It Chicago worked. was a fever dream for Cody Parky. <laughs> that was in a different timeline. Oh, okay. Um, well, Brittany, anything else on Njoku? Was it just the fantasy situation? I just, I hope that they keep him. I yeah. hope that they don't try to trade him. I hope he doesn't want to trade. I hope that he's like friendly, happy here. And yeah, I do like I I I like him better than Hooper. It's nothing against Hooper. I think Hooper's fine. You know, Baker really seems to to love him, and and that's great. But like, I think there's still a place for Najoku, and I hope that that continues. I would I would be sad if if he was not here next year. Yeah, yeah. quite Ooh. frankly, when it comes down to this offense, I really hope they don't make a lot of changes because mm-hmm. I think that this offense is great the way it is. You've got the weapons that you need. I hope OBJ comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that because I think he's going to be traded. I'm saying, I, I hope he comes back in the sense that I hope he bounces back from his injury and we get vintage OBJ for the Browns. Like that's, that's what I'm hoping for. So, I mean, this offense is pretty much set in place and Baker even said he's excited that he doesn't have to learn another playbook Yep. in the yep. off season. So we, this team has a solid offense. They kind of understand, like they do understand this scheme. Now they've got all off season to think about it, to work on it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll have full training camp this upcoming year so they can work together more. But I mean, I this off this offense is it. I, I fully expect the defense to get completely blown up in the off season. I think Andrew Barry is going to napalm it, but um, yeah, I really hope there's not a lot of changes on this offense. Yeah. And I, I, don't I, agree there, I don't think there I, will be either. 
I want to, I want to see Njoku stay too. I think it, I think they've got a really solid base. So the one thing I want to talk about with the offense and Kevin Stefanski that I, I tweeted about earlier today, one thing that we hadn't seen all season was the Browns taking their time, um, snapping the ball. It felt like this year or sorry, this game specifically, the play caught the play, the play cock. <laughs> Bri, I had water in my mouth. It almost came out my nose. <laughs> Gosh darn it, Brie. You can edit that out. The play clock. I'm not was, going to. <laughs> of course we won't. <laughs> the play clock was winding down um literally the entire game. Um, and that just seemed very uncharacteristic of this team. They always seemed to to feel like they knew what play they were going to run. They had it in in time. They didn't need to waste a timeout in order to get set um, or to get everybody on the line set. This game, this happened a couple of times. And when I tweeted about it, I just said, like, it just felt like something was off. And a lot of people were coming back and saying that it was by design, that Kevin Stefanski wanted the play clock to run down to give the Chiefs less time of possession, which I don't agree with. Um, I don't feel like that is a great strategy because having the play clock wind down gives the defense an advantage. And I just have a hard time believing that, you know, four seconds with how many times we had the ball, you're giving the, you're taking away, I don't know, five minutes for the chiefs having the ball. It's like when I, when I go to the gas station and I look across the street at the other gas station, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're a penny cheaper. And I'm like, I should drive over there and go get gas over there. And I'm like, okay, in the grand scheme of things, where you're saving 20 cents, you know, like to me, it wasn't, it wasn't that much of an impact to game plan that in, into, into this game plan. I just, that doesn't make sense to me. Maybe someone can explain that to me in the comments a little bit better, but I just don't think that that's something Kevin Stefanski would do. I don't think that's chess. I think that's just, I wish someone would have asked him about this in a pre, in the post game presser, but everybody had to ask really about asked. how he felt yeah. about Mac Wilson's tackling Patrick Mahomes. Like that's what he was being asked about in the press conference. I would have, we would have had very good questions for him. Right. Like, why did you do this, 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 please explain. <laughs> Although with, with Kevin Stefanski, he doesn't give a lot up in those press conferences. Yeah. He would probably say something. Well, I'm not going to speak to that uh, specific right. play, Brittany, but if exactly. he said my name, I would just die. He would. If you, <laughs> if you were out, he, he says the name of every reporter. on the floor. But that, that's exactly how it would go. It'd be like, well, you know, that one is on me, Brittany, but I'm not going to speak to that specific play. I just, I have to be better. You can tell I've cut up a lot of Kevin Stefanski. I'm smiling just thinking about this. I just be like, have, uh-huh. Okay. I've gone through, I've gone through hours upon hours of Kevin Stefanski press conferences in the past four months, so... It's a good and a bad thing. Did did you guys notice this at all? Or was it just me? Because I was having flashbacks to 2019 Freddie Kitchens. Like to me, it just reminded me of a Freddie Kitchens offense where they, they didn't know what play to call. It was just mass scrambles to get to the line, to get set up, to get the playoff in time. Like it, I just, the Fred, like Freddie Kitchens has ruined me. The 2019 season has ruined me in a sense because even this year I panicked when there was empty sets and when there was no running back in the backfield or when we would run empty on a first and goal second and goal 
And I didn't have to be that way this year because Kevin Stefanski knew what the hell he was doing and what plays he was calling. But the whole play clock winding down when I saw it hit four, I was like, oh my God, like this is, I'm watching 2019 all over again. It just gave me flashbacks, really bad flashbacks. I like to think that Stefanski had a rhyme or a reason to his madness. Whereas with Freddie Kitchens, like, hey, why don't I just run down this? Why not just run down this playcock? Hey, <laughs> name play it. He, Freddie <laughs> Kitchens for sure said the pay the playcock. <laughs> He's like, whoop the hell, I'm going to run down this playcock. <laughs> oh, man. All right. One thing that I wanted to point out today, and it, like, it made me think of what would have been different last year. I saw Nick Chubb say, the thing that he liked most about Stefanski mm-hmm. is he's just about the work. Like, you know, it's very Nick Chubb-ish. He just, yes. He's just about the work. And I was like, I wonder if they would have posed that question to Nick Chubb last year about Freddie Kitchens, what his answer would have been. Like, what do you like about Freddie Kitchens? I don't know what, what Nick Chubb would have said to that. Like what? He's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's got a good personality. To, he's, I don't know. He's, he's a big jolly man in the locker room. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be me doing impressions of everybody for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> um, okay. So getting back to coach Kevin. Um, so the other thing that was questionable was um, his challenging this game. Oh. He didn't throw the challenge flag on what looked like wasn't a catch, but he threw the cha- challenge flag on the Tyreek Hill catch that happened like literally in front of the coaching staff. Yeah. yeah, I just, okay. So with that first one, I I think that the Chiefs knew that that wasn't a catch. And so they went no huddle and snapped the ball as quickly as they could. And I think that Kevin Stefanski probably, it took him a minute to process, oh wait, that wasn't a catch. I should have challenged it. But at that point, they're already on the next play. So I think the next challenge flag was him overcompensating and just trying to get the red flag out as quickly as he could because the chiefs, they they knew what was up and took away his opportunity in the first half with Mm -hmm. that non-catch. Yep. That would, that broke my heart when he didn't challenge that one. And then I was like, what is happening? That's when like everything sort of hit and it's like, what's happening today? Yeah, like none of this makes any sense. This is so not like him to to be making mistakes like this. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. A lot of just so many uncharacteristic is just a good word for like everything that happens. I mean, it was like the Nick Chubb, the Kevin Stefanski, the Baker Mayfield interception was so bad. The Hollywood yeah. Higgins. I mean, just so many things just piled up. All the penalties that brought him back to first and 22nd and 23rd and 20. I mean, it was just a day of, being off balance i guess that's what really good teams do to you right yeah remember when we talked about last last week kansas city and like they have a tendency to to put themselves in bad situations like you know with penalties Mm -hmm. what happened with that like it was us yesterday they i mean they still did actually get quite a bit of penalties because they actually killed themselves a little bit and having to settle for field goals and um i i actually made myself go back and watch the game today it was not fun, but I, I did I did think about that, um, Brittany, when we had brought that up because they they did shoot themselves in the foot a little bit with some some big penalties. So it wasn't just us; we just did too many against a good team. Yeah, Th- that's you, the you thing about to... the Chiefs they they can make those mistakes and make up for it. Yeah, like other teams you can't afford to do that. No, we could not afford to do that. 
could not. So the final thing about Kevin Stefanski that has brought up a lot of discussion today was punting on fourth and nine. We never got the ball back after that. Um, in hindsight, he probably assumed that the defense could stop Chad Hetty. Mm-hmm. Um, and prior to that, just a little fun fact, the Browns had converted all of their fourth down attempts, but he didn't go for it on fourth and nine. There was a lot of time left in the game at this at this point. So I think it's unfair to criticize him for punting the ball when you have Chad Henney on the other side of the field. But we all know what happened with Chad Henney. He turned into Superman. Yeah, and I everyone was, you know, hopping on that band. We're like, oh, you need to go for it. You need to go for it. And if it's Patrick Mahomes, you got to go for it. It's fourth and nine. This is your last shot. Because Patrick Mahomes is very good. He'll make you pay. So, you know, if, if that was the situation, I'd be like, yeah, you know, Kevin should have gone. And this one, I was with, I was like, you know what? You take your, I know the defense is not great. It has its holes. It has its problems. But you got to take your chances against, if you don't trust your defense to beat Chad Henney, we're, in, <laughs> we have problems. You're going to well, lose. Clearly, I mean, yeah, clearly we, they have some, some real problems on that defense and, it's going to be a very interesting off season and draft and it'll be fun to see what Andrew Barry and, and everyone make of this, but you know, I, I don't blame him. I think that you, it, it, nine times out of 10, Chad Henney has probably stopped. You never planned for him to, to convert or, you know, get 14 yards or whatever it was <laughs> on the third down. Like that's just something that you just, you don't think, Oh, it's possible. But yesterday it was possible. Andy Reed did a hell of a job yep. Good on him, but yeah, the, I I think that punting was was the right choice there. Yeah, um, I think the other thing um, with that whole situation is like think about that drive that led to the fourth and nine. We couldn't we couldn't get anything going. No, I mean it like I also the other thing all game we couldn't get things going. Like how many plays like did he have left to call? Because we we found ourselves in. Second and 10, third and 10, second and 20, third and 20, all game long, we had to pull out everything to be able to convert a first down. It was so hard for the Browns all day yesterday to even get a first down. I just, I can't crush him for punting it there, thinking that there was a chance to get the ball back and put themselves in a better spot than what they were in. Yeah, because again, you have third and 14 on Chad Henney. You're like, all right, we're going to get the ball back. Yeah. And yesterday just was not their day. Too many things went wrong yesterday. They piled up and now we're done. (laughs) Well, Kevin spoke to the media today. Um, It's really hard to stay mad at him, I will say. Um, He had a few snippets that I just wanted to to mention that – gave me hope he said that he had talked to obj via text this morning and they can't wait to have him back mm-hmm. wound he also talked to baker mayfield and said that baker is excited to not have to learn another playbook this off season um kevin also mentioned that he's looking forward to building on what they did this year so again i think this is a huge positive as we go into next year Yes. I love it. This is all good stuff. And you know what? This is stuff that cheers me up. 
Yes, exactly. Because I've spent most of yesterday sad and then most of today sad, but then I see the, and like, it's just getting me hopeful for next season. I don't know how we're going to kill time between now and then, but (laughs) you know, we'll find ways. I'm not watching baseball, so don't even suggest it. I know, right? Yeah. Um, And then finally, I thought this was really nice. So to close out his press conference today, he thanks the media for all that they've done this season, acknowledging how difficult it has been to also do their jobs, which this is a guy that just continues to lead in so many ways. Um, And once again, you look at all the players who have spoken in press conferences this year, and they have just modeled after their head coach, which again, this is who you want to have leading these guys into the future yes okay let's get to the positive and the fun part of the show yes, so let's do it guys we've had a really great brown season it has been so much fun to do this podcast during a winning football season um week in and week out there have been so many things to talk about so many fun things to talk about and i wanted to find out from all of our listeners and our followers Um, What was their favorite moment of the season? Because we had a lot of them this year. We had more good times than bad times. Um, And so I wanted to just go through that thread. You guys can jump in on the live chat today and share your thoughts as well. And we will go through um, and read the most. So I'll kick it off here at you guys um, with mine. And then Meredith and Brittany, I'll have you guys share yours with me. I know it's going to be really hard to pick like one. Um, Cause there's so many, and then we could go through and read from, um, I, I typed in a couple in here in the group chat, um, or in our rundown, and then, um, we can read some of the live ones and I'll go through the thread. Yes. So for me, there were so many, um, wonderful, wonderful moments, um, this year, but the one that I have to mention, um, a bit of a sleeper, but Kelly Brownson, on this staff, the chief of staff for the Cleveland Browns. Um, It's been incredible to kind of follow along on her journey and what she's meant to this team. And the fact that there is a woman leading um, up part of this organization has been one of the highs for me this entire season on top of all the play that we got to witness as well. Yeah. And she set a few records this year, I think in the game against Washington, that was the first game in NFL history that had a woman on both side lanes and officiating. And I believe Callie is also the highest level coach in a playoffs uh, for, for a woman, because I believe she was, I think against the Steelers, she was acting tight ends coach. Yes. So that's the highest position, highest coaching position a woman has ever held in the playoffs. So she's just, man, like glass ceilings don't even exist to this woman. She's just like on all of them. Yeah. She is killing it. We are big fans. Mm-hmm. Big fans. We're gonna try to get on the podcast one day. Yeah, we. A, that yeah. is a goal. That is a yes. goal. We'll be working that on that. Um, I'd say my favorite this season. It's got to be the first half of the Tennessee game. Ooh, love. Because like that was, I've never felt better about watching the Cleveland Browns ever in the history of my life <laughs> than watching them. The first things were going so well that it just made me laugh hysterically like I could not (laughs) stop because I was like this can't be real like what this is our team doing this like we're making everything look so easy so I think that was probably my favorite moment of this this season was just watching them thrive against Tennessee when a lot of people are like well this is the first this is their first real test blah 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 and they just shined and you know again Everyone's worried about after you know, they're going to catch up. They're going to blow this game. 
I was never worried about it. I was like, no, this team's thriving. We're good. So that was my favorite moment. I also, this is not a popular answer, but the game that I most enjoyed other than that, well, the Steelers game, but besides that one was the game that they lost against Baltimore because Mm -hmm. they showed this spirit and this fight that we were not used to see. They never gave up in that game. They didn't win, but it didn't feel like a loss. It felt like we watched something magical that day. So, you know, those three games, those are my favorite things this season. I think. Meredith, what about you? I have a lot of favorite moments. Um, I loved every time Jarvis threw the ball. <laughs> like I loved those, <laughs> which trick he did plays. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I I loved those trick plays. I thought they were awesome. I thought that it was creative uh, and very indicative of the type of play calling that Stefanski was capable of early on in the season. Um, but I'm going I'm going to say the Pittsburgh game in the wild card, and there's a very specific reason for that. A lot of reasons. Um, First off, <laughs> I have never seen my my boss get super passionate about a Browns game. And in that first quarter, he was going nuts. Like I, he's very level-headed and very cool. Like he is a sports fan, but I saw him as a sports fan in that moment, which was a really rare moment for me. So it was just, it was so exciting to see like my super level-headed boss just get so emotional about that. And he's not even a Browns fan. He's from New York. He's a Giants fan. Aww. So that was really awesome. Um, I mean, and I loved that also because putting up 28 points on the Steelers in a playoff game in, in one quarter was incredible. But the other reason why that game had so much meaning to me personally, um, and you guys are going to laugh, but it goes back to hockey. The Pittsburgh Penguins were always the Achilles heel for the Capitals. Every year, the Caps would make the playoffs. And it didn't matter what round they met the Penguins in, the Penguins would knock them out every single time. And then the year the Caps won the Stanley Cup, they beat the Penguins in the second round. And John Walton, who's the radio play-by-play voice for them, screamed, the demons have been exercised. And the Caps (laughs) went on to win the Stanley Cup that year. And I felt that same way about the Browns in Pittsburgh. They were in Pittsburgh against Big Ben in a playoff game. Demons completely exercised. I had the very same feeling in that game that I did when, when the Caps beat the Penguins in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2018. Like, it was an emotional moment for me. Like, I hate Pittsburgh sports teams. I have since I was a little girl. Like, it, like they're hated in D.C. and they're hated in Cleveland. So that just, that whole moment, that game, just everything about that game was so special to me for personal reasons. And then to just, I, I sent you guys the screenshots of my dad's texts afterwards, and I just... Yes. Like I could like my little, like my little emotional heart could not handle just my dad who had been saying same old Browns so many times said they are not the same old Browns. Yeah, I know. Well, so I want to, I want to read a couple of listeners because, um, we, there were so many moments, um, and every, every single moment that someone mentioned, it was like, yeah, that was a great moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and the Pittsburgh game winning at Pittsburgh in a playoff game, the way that we did was one of the most memorable moments for people, rightfully so, um, watching big Ben cry, um, the whole, (laughs) just all of the story, like ending big Ben season, um, for, for how much like we had to just be bullied by him year in and year out in our own stadium, in his stadium, um, him having more wins than any quarterback on our team since Baker and me. I mean, 
just so many things that ended that game for a lot of people made them very, very happy. Um, the other thing that came up a lot that I, that, that really made me think like, yeah, that this is such a good way to think about it. Um, cause this is from, from Cody Ziegler. Um, he said the Donovan Donovan's people's Jones catch touchdown catch win over the Bengals was when it started to feel like we were never out of any game, even when things didn't go our way. And then someone responded and agreed and said the old Browns died that day. And I thought that that was just so. I love that. Yes. It's just so true. Like I, I'm like crying right now. (laughs) (laughs) Brie, we're too emotional. (laughs) Like we're making me like happy and sad, like reading all of these. Um, Okay, so I'll read I'll read a few more. I'll read Pete Smith and then I'll turn it over to you guys to read a couple more and then I'm going to try to pull some things up cuz I was just getting bombarded with um responses today. Pete Smith Which is a good um thing. Like, yeah, it's, it's great. A very good thing. Like that so many people had so many moments throughout the season that they could pinpoint and say I remember that that moment yeah. for a good reason. Yeah, that's that, that's what I want to take away from this season. Not 3rd and 14 Chad Henney. Um, I want to remember all of these. Chad. So Pete Smith responded and said, this made me laugh out loud, his first line, when Lamar shit himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he said, Cal Zombie Baker ending the Steelers empire that touched on five different decades, the exact moment with the Mayfield scramble for six yards to get a first down after a drop. He wouldn't allow them to lose. And I totally, like Baker That's Mayfield, we got to see Baker Mayfield ball out this year for this oh, team. Yeah. I mean, that's our mother freaking quarterback, you guys. You're this is incredible. this is the Baker that they drafted. Like yeah. this is what they yep. had pictured when they took him first overall. Yep. Yes. That's been a beautiful thing to watch. So do I get to read some from this thread? Yes, go ahead. Okay. So first one I see here is Slim Dog, friend of the show. He said their total progression in seeing their confidence build. And yes, yes, speaking of Baker, like that is the, the number one thing going into this is he just needed to get his confidence back. We needed to see that quarterback that they drafted, you know, this kind of loudmouth chip on his shoulder guy. We needed to get him back. And this year we did and could not be more proud of him. So that's a good one. Um, Dana, she says there are so many, and this is a good one, but one that stands out to me is the Dallas game. That was the first time where we were all like, wow, we might actually be good. I know Dallas turned out to be, you know, not great, but our offense exploded that day. Remember how excited we were? Oh my gosh, that was the Browns coming out game for me. Yes, like their offense just looked otherworldly. Other than the Tennessee game, you know, the first half of Tennessee game, that's when the Browns looked their best was the first half of of that game. I mean, OBJ was was so special in that game too. Remember how good he was? Yes, I miss him. Can't wait to have him back. Um, let's see. First quarter of Pittsburgh. Yes. Actually, like the first like five minutes. Of the game was <laughs> Someone like, commented and said the snap seconds. over Ben's head. And I was That's like, yes. It. That's it. <laughs> the first five seconds of that game. Yes. Uh, someone said the first win against the Bengals. Um, I'm going to read. Can I read um, John? Because I think he's in our chat as well tonight. I'm going to butcher your last name, John, um, but I'm going to guess. John. Oh, boy. John. Tamanek? Sounds right. Um, John says they bounced back after every loss, never lost two in a row, regrouped mm-hmm. and got back on the winning track every time. If that isn't a sign of growth, I don't know what is. Gosh, 
Browns fans are so, so damn smart. They're so romantic about it too. Yes. That's what I, I love yes. about it so much. So we're Can just I, so romantic about this team. I want to read this one so badly. Go um, ahead, Mayor. Go for it. Go we're going to read. I'm going to read them all. From Bradley, Chubb's no look stiff arm against Philly. <gasps> yes. Do you Just guys remember how hype we were after them? I have tweeted that gif several times yes. since that day. That was just such a hype move. And that was just, it was so Nick Chubb. It was perfect because then he was just, just kept acting like it was like, he just stiff arms guys every single day, like at the gas station, yes. stiff arm. Like that just, it was so Nick Chubb. It was so perfect. I, I love that moment too. Yeah. Um, our good friend, Mike Browns, UK. Um, he's in the, he's in the chat here too. Um, the Nick Chubb run when he turned down a touchdown to step out at the one to ensure our victory against Houston. Yes. That was, a, that was a moment. Mod football. It was, it was a confusing moment for some people, but then like, once we realized what, what he was doing, like, Oh, he's not being, he's being a team player. Yes. Confusing, but then happy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna pull up the thread. I'll read a oh someone said the lamb touchdown pass against the Titans. Yes. Oh my god. Oh yeah, how can we forget? There was just so many this year. Yes, there were so many this year that like these these beautiful moments that just get lost in the shuffle. And you're like, then you think back. I honestly I just want to spend like a week re-watching every single game. Yeah. Like live it again and see all these moments that I've forgotten because I completely forgot about that until right now. And that was so great. That was so exciting. I mean, I remember last week in the pod, I said it didn't really what it didn't really matter what happened against the Chiefs because the Browns had a successful season. They had a winning season. They made it to the playoffs. They won a playoff game against their division foe. You know, they've been doing nothing but getting better every single week. Just yes, the loss hurt. And like I'm still sad about it. I've like been, I felt like I went through a breakup today, honestly. But it was just everything that happened in this season. There was just so much, the good outweighed the bad so much that mm -hmm. at this point, I can't even really remember a lot of bad, bad moments. Like the first week against Baltimore was really rough. Uh, the first loss against the Steelers was rough, but I mean, just overall, it was a successful season. Whatever demons this team has had, whatever you know, generational trauma from the past has been cured. Yeah. This season. Yes. Yeah. I like this one from Patrick kind of going off of that. Um, he talked about he had hoped for eight and eight or nine and seven, which we didn't even get into that, you guys. Like in a in a in a year where the expectations for the Browns for most fans and even media for that part were was to just go five hundred and they won twelve games, went to the playoffs, won a playoff game, and hung around with the Super Bowl defending Super Bowl champs. I mean, that that's pretty incredible. So he says, I guess my favorite part was that feeling in my stomach, watching meaningful football games, excitement. We have not felt that way in guys, a long it's, time. It's January 18th and the Brown season just ended. Like when was the last time the Browns were playing on January, a meaningful game on January 17th? Normally or game we're hiring at coaches at this time. Exactly. This is our, this is our like coach breakdown podcast. Time. Yeah. This, this, You're this right. Brown, the Brown Super Bowl, which is hiring new coaches. Yeah. We've had like, there would have been five mock drafts by now already done. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, any other good ones you guys want to call? I mean, there's just so it's, many. Yeah. It seems a lot of people, um, when they talk about their favorite moments this year a lot of them are centered around Cincinnati 
that Cincinnati game. Now, yeah. granted, you know, OBJ went down, but um, a lot of people are saying that's when it felt like there was a shift. And after that game, they were playing with a, a real genuine purpose in the sense of we have something to prove now. Um, that's That seems to be yes. a common theme here. And I would agree with that. That was, um, again, it hurt to lose OBJ. He'll be back next year. It'll be great. But I think at that point, Baker was like, okay, I have to do this now. Like, no excuses. I just, I have to go out there and I have to win now. Yeah. And look. I wrote down a few others that we didn't touch on. Um, Someone else mentioned this too, but um, just the next man up mentality. So like this team was prepared and ready to go when their number was called. I think we saw it from DPJ, his emergence. Um, He had meaningful, impactful plays the offensive line dominance and Bill Callahan, like just the brilliance Mm -hmm. of that group and how quickly they were able to turn something that was such a weakness last year into the best, the best number one offensive line in the entire football league. Um, I think the other thing, the plays, the fun plays, like the fun, this team just had fun when they were playing the Maserati mm-hmm. moment, bananas, um, bananas. the turnover <laughs> chains. I mean, these players just, they were having fun. Like the trick plays. I just like, they were just so fun to watch the Kendall lamb fat guy touchdown. I just, it <laughs> was just fat guy touchdowns. So much fun watching these guys band together, stick together, have each other's backs. Um, you had Dearness Johnson come in and make meaningful plays. Blake Hans, a guy named Blake, stepped in and played a football game yes. with people that he hadn't even met for like two days before. Michael Dunn um, coming in, Adrian Claiborne, Hollywood Higgins stepping. I mean, man, just mm-hmm. props to all of them. Props to the coaching staff for having these guys ready week in and week out amongst a COVID season and in a year that was so unpredictable, just that it was fun. It was really, really fun. I cannot freaking wait until September. I mean, Stefanski didn't even meet a lot of these guys in person until they started playing football games. Um, And then also, I think one of the things that, and I think everything that we've said falls under this umbrella, but the culture shift, there has been a noticeable culture shift and there isn't even any media in the locker room to report on it because everything has been done remotely over zoom but you can just tell like the browns don't have anything to hide because there's no infighting mm-hmm. there's no you know other than maybe david njoko asking for a trade there hasn't really been a yeah. lot of drama player drama at all mm-hmm. there hasn't been staff personnel there's just been there's been none like Kevin Stefanski came in because I remember someone was talking about when Kyle Shanahan went to the 49ers and they said that the culture shift happened in less than a day like he walked in there and wasn't going to stand for any bullshit and that's I think that's the same way that Kevin Stefanski walked into Berea Mm -hmm. and it shows Mm -hmm. yeah and I don't think it's like you know it's not like a dad that they're afraid of. It seems like they no. just genuinely respect this man and they want to be their the best versions of themselves for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he just seems yeah. like a guy that they just really want to play for. They want to be better for. I mean, I would do a lot of things for Kevin Stefanski. Let's be real. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
the PG <laughs> show. It is. I mean, I think we all would, right? I'm not alone in this. We've go already to- talked about the playcock, Meredith. That that segment <laughs> is over. I mean, go to Brown's Twitter, man. I mean, you're you're more active on the Browns, Steelers, Ravens Twitter than than the rest of us are, Bree. But <laughs> when you when you took a screenshot of uh, those oh, bros yeah. just pining over Kevin Stefanski, my goodness. It's, I felt like oh, yeah, I, I needed to take a shower. Kevin Stefanski, <laughs> his fan club may be biggest with the male viewers, actually, <laughs> according, to, <laughs> according to Reddit. So um, this was a fun episode, you guys. Th- thank you, ladies, for making this season fun. Like, we've had so much fun recording this podcast we and have. so many laughs along the way. Yes, and we're still going to be here every week. That's right. Um, you know, we're not going to stop. Maybe we'll multiple find- times a week if if there's news to talk about yeah like we're not going anywhere i think we some can. people are like oh you're just gonna stop recording no there's always no. stuff to talk about we, we did I mean, this show in the midst of a pandemic last year there were, no sports. Yeah. <laughs> there were no sports for months and we still had the show every week so we're good to go we will find things to talk about yeah i mean what it, we started this what october of 2019 and yeah. i think other than i think i can count on one hand how many times we've missed an episode over a week like I know yeah. we took the bye week off. There were a few times where people were traveling or just had life going on. But you know, over the course of a year and three, four months, mm-hmm. we've missed less than five shows. Yes. And some some weeks there were multiple shows. Yes. So yeah, we're we are not going anywhere. Well, we're here. yeah. If you guys deal like, with it. Yes, if you guys like doing this live too, we can continue. Just let us know. Um, so we can, you guys can join on the chat. We have fun doing this live, but we also like to just look like slobs and record separately. (laughs) I know. Well, it's funny, Brie, before when you're like, okay, I'm setting up and I was like, oh crap. Yeah. I have to like be sitting somewhere. I can't be like ass up on the couch the way I normally (laughs) am. I mean, you could be <laughs> technically. Before we started, I had like my hair up and, you know, one of those messy things that I always do. And I, I was in the kitchen and I took my hair down and my brother was like, what, why are you getting all dolled up? I have sweats on. And like, all I did was put my hair down. I was like, I'm not dolled up, Jeremy. I just like put my hair down. So I look kind <laughs> of presentable for people. That's the extent of what I did. Um, yeah, well, someone was asking me too, if we had any thoughts on who the Browns should acquire in free agency, who we should be targeting, like people want to know what we're thinking, like draft wise, I was like, we need a minute to recover from this game. Yeah, I mean, we will have plenty of time to get into all of that, um, in the future shows. So I know the Browns aren't playing anymore. There'll still be plenty to talk about. You know how much we love breaking down mock drafts. Oh, it's our favorite. (laughs) Well, I mean, and here's the thing, like normally this, yeah, I mean, this normally about this time is when we would start doing the mock drafts, but we don't Mm. have to because we still have a game to talk about from yesterday. So yeah, like we need a, need a few moments to process the breakup. Yeah. There may be plenty of Cavs um, drama to fill a show as well. Who knows uh, what's already starting with them, but yeah we will uh we will end the show for this evening and uh we will catch all of you guys hopefully live again next week um thank you for tuning in and listening to us again you can find us the downloadable version on itunes or spotify um and we will chat with you guys all next week 